You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Jim Hedge from Shelby's Media and Dave Davies from Weights and Biases. And you know what? We are joined today by legendary Australian SEO, Ash Nalawala. Ash is, uh, well, he's one of the pioneers of, of the SEO industry and certainly one of the pioneers of the Australian SEO industry. And now he is the uh, author of The Accidental SEO Manager, a book one, Tapping Organic Leads for Profit, which incidentally uh, suggests that there is a book two and a book three coming. Um, Ash is currently the in-house enterprise and multinational SEO manager at carsales.com.au. Carsales.com.au, by the way, has a massive global footprint, making Ash responsible for overseeing car sales sites around the world as well as in, in Australia. Ash has worked with Suncor, Australian National Bank, Optus, which is the second largest wireless care in Australia, uh, Census, which is an Australian uh, Mega Info Corporation, and several other corporate SEO jobs. For years, he was a regular columnist at APC Magazine, and this is back in the days when it was called Australian Personal Computer. He's also regarded as one of Australia's top search and digital marketing consultants. Okay, so if you are in a niche um, and you um, need, you're hire, you need to go on a hire, there is a section in that book specifically for finding people um, in, in most major niches, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And, I know the uh, answer ahead of time, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the manager needs to know that there are many types of expertise, there are many types of SEO situations, and there are types of experiences that individuals may have collected in their careers. And it's very difficult to get an all-rounder these days because uh, there are just too many specializations. And even if you talk about the SaaS platforms, software as a service or SEO as a service, whatever you want to call them, uh, there are just too many of them for one person to have spent an effective, a meaningful amount of time in each of those platforms. So you can go by potential. If someone's had experience on one uh, online platform, chances are that they'll be able to pick up another one fairly quickly. So um, I noticed that there are always jobs 
for SEOs at the moment. So I suspect that um, there aren't enough SEOs to meet the demand. Um, probably not. Um, there's there's a great deal of demand out there, although I'm getting the sense that business doesn't necessarily know what it wants out of its SEOs, um, whether it wants in-house or whether it wants um, a consultant to work with their with their in-house IT, IT team. Um, at what point does a, um, it's funny, I want, I want to ask a completely different question, but but this one strikes me. At what point does a um, business need to grow into having an in-house team rather than outsourcing its, um, its SEO efforts? The benefit of having someone in-house is that they are there every day and they know the company um, from many angles. They can make their own presence known uh, using their own uh, ability to get on with other people, to make friends, not just uh, across the table, but even socially um, at lunch times, uh, at the water cooler and so on. And that's the kind of relationship that an external person will find it difficult, um, especially if uh, the only time they talk to someone is across a conference call like this one or over the telephone where they don't even know what the other person looks like. Um, if there are many people listening in a conference room, they don't know who's in the room and who's listening, who's nodding, who's nodding off. Um, so this is why I like a combination, really. Um, I say somewhere in the book that the value of a second opinion um, can't be understated. You might have a great in-house SEO team, but I think if you have the budget, you should bring in an external consultant to whatever extent you can afford, whether it's once a year audit or a once a month uh, phone call, whatever it is, that external person will bring a perspective that um, is usually beneficial. And that's been my experience. Okay, now there's business owners out there get a lot of solicitation from third party external SEOs wanting to do an audit for them. Um, dear business owner, I see that you have that and then they just you know criticize the heck out of the in-house team or the, uh, the SEO of record. Um, how do business owners know um, who in the SEO world to trust and who not to trust? Because let's face it, SEOs don't really have the strongest reputation in the, uh, in the business world. Well, if I can be one of those accidental managers and I'm getting two or three pitches a week where each of them is critical of what um, is happening inside my company, I would look at what is being said rather than um, go too deep into the problems. For example, if it looks like a tool-based audit and all they've done is that your title tags are missing or meta descriptions are missing, uh, I would pay less, less attention. I'd want to know um, something that reflects on um, Perhaps a consumer viewpoint, 
if this external person is coming in and saying, look, I tried to check out your site as a consumer and I was not finding you up there because uh, other companies are doing something that you're not doing. Uh, is there a chance for me to find out more about your challenges? I don't think your SEO team is incompetent. Maybe then have all the answers and uh, there are some internal constraints that I cannot see and then leave it up to the manager to decide and the manager might know of these constraints and in many cases there are internal constraints and oh. yeah and so uh, I'm getting from what you're saying so it's not it's not a spammy email it's more of a personalized one they've actually looked into um, yeah. some problems that my company might be having and that's what I'd respond to rather than um, dear insert name here square bracket um your seo team sucks and i'll show you why everyone gets a variation on that um rather crude sort of solicitation letter right and i, th I think that gives a lot of seos a terrible name and i think there's people out there who know they need the help but don't know how to um not only don't know how to ask for the help, but don't know whom to ask for the help because they've either been burned before or they've seen these clearly scammy um, uh, uh, solicitation letters. So one of the um, discoveries I made just after the book was published is, I think I put my finger on what the issue was that I was trying to identify, and that is a lack of web governance. I think that most SEO problems stem from a lack of web governance because the website is treated as a carpet on which all parts of the company are walking over and no one seems to own the carpet. And <laughs> so someone thinks that they look after the network, some look after the firewall, some look after content, or maybe different teams look after different types of content and the SEO inside is running from silo to silo, trying to find out what's going on. So I feel that properly defined web governance, in, if it's in place, is going to solve a lot of these problems. So if the external approach is made from that angle that, um, that says, I can see that you guys are trying to do the right thing, but I feel that there are some um, gaps in uh, communication, perhaps between your teams. Um, would you be open to a conversation about um, what I'm seeing? And maybe I'm wrong, but um, um, it'll only cost you 15 minutes of your time or whatever time you can give me. That's interesting. It's, it's funny. When you talked about governance, my immediate jumping point in my head was like, oh, goodness, we're going back to like, there should be like guidelines and rules that all SEOs are like. And then that argument, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to touch that one with a pen foot pole because we've done that a couple of times. And that's just the right, <laughs> one with no right or wrong answer to it. Uh, but no, I, I, I love what you were talking about there, about basically a governance sort of, if I'm understanding, understanding it, an internal like you have 10 different teams running in 10 different directions. There should be a sort of like way that this organizes. So you're not, developers aren't pushing out versions of the site with like 
robots, no index on it by accident or something, right? Like just like some, some process uh, built in. So, so love that. A question from a management standpoint, I, I've been a manager, I've worked with managers, I have managers over me, I manage people, right? Like that's, that's we've all sort of been, well, many have been at, at various points and things. Um, so it makes the book super interesting, especially for people who might've been doing it for a little bit. Um, and to sort of give themselves a, a check, Jim, I think you're in the same boat and I think that's what you're alluding to. Like good to like, even if you've been doing some of this stuff, good to get a, a second a second check there. One of the oh, things indeed. that I've always always found interesting and I, I wanted to pick your, your brain on on this is as a manager, you need to purposely resist trying to understand everything that everybody's doing because otherwise you'd just be doing it and now you're a useless manager because you don't have time. But you need to know enough to know what skills and, and things that you need done. How do you balance that? How do you go, okay, I know our site's in JavaScript. How much do I need to know? Do I even need to know? How, how do you, how do you su or suggest that managers sort of like find that delicate balance with this is enough to know about this topic. Now I have to have somebody who knows that better than me. <laughs> Well, that may be something that I'm covering in book two, uh, which is uh, conversations to have with your SEO team. I didn't want to scare the managers in book one with uh, some of the detailed stuff that they may need to discuss, even at a superficial level. Um, with regards to governance, um, I don't suggest um, having um, rules pasted on every wall that everyone needs to check. If a company is well-structured, and I've seen companies that have set up their um, agile squads in such a way that everything is interconnected uh, and it just seems to work because there are uh, all these structures in place where conversations, happen at the right level and everyone's aware of uh, what others are doing, at least at the manager level, so that if the managers are doing the right thing, then they can pass it down to their squads. So I'm, I'm lucky to be in a very well-organized um, structure where I sit in a particular squad with one product manager, one scrum master, um, four or five developers, a UX person, a um, QA person. So we meet every day and we are quite aware of what other squads are doing. They don't have the luxury of an SEO, but my squad does because of the way our company is structured. Uh, we, I sit in the most active part of um, the website. So I've been in a previous company where I was the external consultant. And uh, to my surprise, I've got 100% cooperation. Uh, I've never had 100% cooperation from all parts of the company. And I'm happy to say that I doubled their traffic in eight months. Um, I promised them 10% improvement in a year, but uh, I got that in one week after implementation and I thought it's a glitch. And eight months late, later, I doubled their uh, organic traffic. And when I went back in two and a half years, it had tripled. All thanks to 
people following rules. And the rules were such that um, all they were doing is individually, they were working in a search-friendly manner. They were not performing SEO. I just made sure that their day-to-day workflow was structured in such a way that they were doing things for SEO without consciously even being aware of SEO. So, so that's so, my concept of governance. So really, you set, you set as the SEO, you set guidelines for other members of your squad or your team, and uh, those guidelines could be scaled throughout the company for for whatever tasks um, the, the 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 person is is performing. In a enterprise um, world, would that be a primary job of an SEO? I think a number of our listeners are are independent consultants or working on their own websites, and many of them are like you know hands-on people themselves. Um, but in a large, obviously in a large corporation, you can't be hands-on, especially with the, the complexity of 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 of, of so many of so many e-com sites now. Um, should the should the SEO's role be guideline setter, and then um, uh, uh, person to to uh, police and maintain those guidelines? I don't think the SEO will be allowed to um, set the structure for the whole company, but they can certainly. Um, do an audit of existing processes. Uh, for example, in a agile environment, these structures have been created by other people, uh, perhaps a few years ago, and they need to be checked and tweaked if necessary. So we have several um, squads in our company, only one of them as an SEO. And from time to time, I get invited to their meetings and simply from those conversations, if I find that they are performing work differently to our squad, I can either tell them directly or I can find the right person to have the right conversation with them to make sure that all squads are operating in a similar manner. And from the SEO perspective, it's really a question of making sure that uh, SEO input is sought at the right time. Um, the JIRA tickets have a hashtag that says SEO so that a search can be made across the whole company. And uh, that way, um, your single internal SEO can find out what's going on. So they don't necessarily need to stop their work um, to have the SEO in the room. Therefore, it's not as bad as um, some might imagine. Um, just find out what are the existing processes in the company you're consulting to and see whether there are opportunities for um, the process to be rectified. Um, as an example, QA. Um, sometimes QA is done of a very specific task on a page. Uh, no one stops to think, well, let's step back and look at the entire page. Uh, you might have added a bit of JavaScript here, but are you repeating the JavaScript that's also elsewhere on the page? Is there a chance to um, consolidate that so that you don't have 50 little scripts running on a page? Uh, once you set those ideas in place, you don't need to go and check every page. They'll, they'll understand if, if you tell them the right way. Um, they'll learn from it and they'll start implementing it. Another example is 
Um, I've seen a company where there is no CMS, every page is hand-coded, or at least the, every template is hand-coded. So you'll get valid pages, but most pages are not HTML valid. Mm -hmm. Once you can explain to them how to check their own pages for uh, HTML or CSS validity, then they'll just do it on their own if, if they want to do the right thing. Because you can show them through uh, examples, what's the consequence? And sometimes the consequence may not be visual, but it might relate to accessibility. And by talking about accessibility, um, they feel that they are learning, uh, these are developers, they feel that they are learning something new and they feel good about it. So they start to incorporate these uh, essential ideas, not just for SEO sake, but sometimes for a legal uh, uh, perspective. Uh, Australia has similar laws to Canada and the United States and the UK where websites need to be accessible. So I'm really talking about um, how the SEO can play a role where um, they can't change uh, corporate workflows. All they can do is influence them. I think most of us in our careers have um, come across several different scenarios when, we're, when working with large companies. Some of them are, are the marvelous scenarios where you know everybody in the chain understands you know why the SEO is 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 present, what their role is, and you know we're all pulling for a common goal. And there's other engagements that aren't as cooperative, that are sometimes the antithesis of cooperative. Um, the the infamous Doctor No scenario, where the you know just just say the head developer for whatever reason doesn't like this process or has has their own process that they, they, they refuse to change from. For, for a manager who wants to have a um, smooth flowing team, good relations and uh, a cooperative workflow, how do you massage, coerce, force, or you know, just rally buy-in from everybody within the team? I've been in a company where the unit of measure was sales dollars. And if the SEO needed some, uh, something, to be, something to be coded, um, I would be asked, how many dollars would we make if we make your whatever it happened to be um, change? And that used to um, be difficult for me to quantify because they would say this product uh, team has come to us and they want to add this product widget that's going to give them an extra million dollar sales. Now, if you want us to change something that changes, say perhaps the title tags, can we make a million dollars? So some companies have that kind of- You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use current. 
I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Toxicity in its internal structure. The SEO can't uh, fix that, but they can use techniques um, like I did uh, I mentioned in the book that um, my manager was once asked, um, how much money would we make if we purchase whatever it was at the time? And so my response was, okay, let's say to the senior management that if all our products rose by one position from position two to position one on page one, and that, company's, um, that company was ranking on page one for almost everything, not necessarily at number one, but somewhere on page one. So, so it was easy to use statistics from several of these um, studies that used to take place that said position one got 33% of your clicks, position two got 19%, position three got 3%. It was something like that. You could then quantify that based on the number of visits, um, the number of dollars, the revenue per visitor, uh, whether it was $5 a visitor, if you averaged all your monthly revenue with all you um, divided by your total visits that month, you could come up with a number. And it didn't have to be a very complex exercise. You just had to do a back of envelope um, exercise to say, well, if we rose one position for five of our products, we would get um, X percent more clicks. Therefore, the possibility of making more sales was such and such based on your CTR. So sometimes you do need to make up an, um, something that looks serious enough that no one's going to start questioning. It gets you through a meeting. That's all you have to do. Make it look complex enough and sensible <laughs> enough so it doesn't look like total fakery. But beware, they will call you on it one day in the future. It's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Guarantee true. you. That'll become the most important metric in the entire world, in fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I swear, the, uh, the, the fidget widgets that came to that, that, that hit that page, it was a lot of them. And you know, six months later, you're going to be asked all about the fidget widgets um, to explain explain what happened to them. <laughs> um, it's really hard to uh, uh, to quantify your work to um, people who don't understand what you're doing, and that's actually, that's one of the I think the things that you accomplished in the book was help managers and people who are haven't been fully immersed in the in the the the, the field of SEO as a career. Um, 
I mean, like listeners and 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 Dave and Ash, you guys, you guys know what it's like when you go to a conference or something and you can actually talk the language and suddenly you feel so much freer and people's eyes don't glaze over when you when you talk about stuff that's actually quite important to you during the day. But in our in our regular lives or when talking to other people in our work teams, often trying to explain the uh well, let's face it, the arcane um, redundancy, not redundancy, but just um, drudgery of a lot of SEO work, but people's eyes glaze right over. Um, Ash, the, one of the last questions I have on working with managers or managers working with teams is finding the language. Because um, not everybody's going to have the benefit of having read the book. The, the manager will have had the benefit of, of, of having read the book. But finding the language to talk to and bridge the gap between SEO and rest of team, um, I think often that's where the relationships fall down. Because um, not everyone is speaking the, speaking the same language. So even though they might be trying to achieve the same goals, they don't know they're pulling the same direction. Is there a uh, way to introduce... Um, a common verbiage language or thought process that a team can just, you know, buy behind? Well, conversions is the best language that uh, we use. Um, in large companies, um, SEOs usually have the luxury of not having to worry about tracking analytics personally. In most companies I've been in, analytics is a separate team. Um, as many as 10 people, because everyone wants to know everything, any possible number that they want, they push it onto the analytics team. All we have to do is, we as an SEOs have to do is to make sure that SEO data is part of multiple reports. So if they can see organic traffic conversions, for example, and um, that's, that's what we track in my current company. If everyone is saying that conversions that came through organic traffic is one of the primary columns in, in the multi-column report, it is seen every time that report is produced. That opens conversations in smaller meetings where we can talk to um, say marketing and I say that because SEO in Australia is rarely a part of the marketing silo. Um, yeah. I don't know why, but um, I've been in two places where it used to be before I arrived and it was taken over by product. And I think I like it that way in, in some cases because marketing um, people in general um, are not technical people. They understand the marketing side of SEO. As, so we call ourselves search marketers. We think we are marketers, but uh, when they listen to us, they think we are IT. And um, that's been my experience. I'm more comfortable being a techie than being a marketer, but we do have to choose the words we use, right? Yeah. So I found that um, those conversations, uh, when we talk of conversions, are very productive. So we have a weekly meeting with the PPC team and uh, some of the senior managers join the meeting and it's a traffic meeting. So traffic is organic, it's paid, and it can be EDM and other sources of uh, traffic such as direct traffic. And we talk about 
our part of that equation and what can we do or not do and that largely falls on the PPC team because they're the ones they can easily switch off or switch on as needed. And um, we go away and uh, focus on a particular product if that's the concern that uh, particular month. So that's, that's my uh, way of tackling uh, the language issue. Now, you've been in or around SEO. By the way, we're, we're, we're down to our last 10 minutes. So we're going to we're gonna get you like kind of rapid fire questions that we're throwing at you. Um, you've been in and around SEO for um, over 20 years, which means that you are literally one of the veterans. Um, over that time, especially in relation to the Australian market, how drastic has um, the um, type of practice an SEO would do day to day? How much has it changed from say the early early 2Ks or late 90s to, uh, to where we are today? In the early days, SEO was quite easy by comparison. You just put stuff keywords and they seem to work. And one by one as Google's algorithms, uh, the named algorithms uh, updates were rolled out, uh, people rapidly dropped out of SEO um, as a profession, if, if all they had done was the easy stuff. What was, what was left were, were the people who were willing to learn the hard way of doing things and the stuff that uh, has sustained us, such as quality content and the nuances of what is quality. And if you kept up with what is quality for all those years, and you did it right from the beginning, you're okay. Every time the, uh, there is one of these drastic um, updates in on Webmaster World, I see these wringing of hands and slashing of wrists as to where's my traffic gone? <laughs> and I'm thinking, what's the problem? I'm looking at my Google search console of about 30 odd sites. I'm seeing no real change. So what has changed in that time is uh, there are no more shortcuts, especially for the large companies, and they don't yeah. need to. Well, I think the question these days is going to start start uh, stop being so much what is quality to uh, I got a feeling we're going to be asking what's helpful, um, given the the. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to put that to you right now. Google has released has just you know we we started the show with this, Google has announced they're releasing the uh, helpful content algorithm to target um, stuff that's obvious SEO content. Um, what do you, what the heck do you think they mean by that? I'd like to call it the clickbait update because I think they are trying to say that if you write content that appears to be helpful, uh, for example, 10 tips for solving whatever, but those 10 tips have nothing to do with the solution. All you've done is written 10 paragraphs or 10 uh, bullet points. And if Google's algorithm determines that all of them do not add up to the so-called solution that's in your title tag, I would call that a clickbait article. You've created content that appears to solve a problem that um, the algorithm does not agree. So that's why I think I'd like to think I've not read a lot of, other than the one or two articles that have come out uh, last night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think 
it's like it's a kind of clickbait, anti-clickbait algorithm. Okay, I, I see. Quick thing to the listeners: none of us know exactly what Google means by this. So anything you hear from this to the next question is pure speculation. Um, I get the feeling that I mean Google is using um, um, machine learning. It's 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 using um, Mum to compare. Um, ideas and entities with each other and 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 and, and try to um, figure out what XYZ means against XYZ. Um, and it's good enough that it understands a Z and a Z are the same thing, even though they're different objects or different entities. Mm. Um, and I think it's that Google's going to, I mean, obviously Google's going to, I think this is like Google's first major test run of, um, of, of its major machine learning algorithms. Um, Dave, you're 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 obviously way better versed in this. Um, Bert was the um, baby version of Mum, more or less, and Mum is now the active version that's acting on on, on the index, right? It's, I mean, a, a little more complex, only because oh, like, yeah. you look at um, like Bert still functions; it still does what it did, and and in some applications, it does that well. Whereas the multimodal now, all of a sudden. Like one thing that I think Mum really lends to the equation here that, that we hadn't really seen before is the capacity. I could just create an illustration of going, it could go in, it can read a Korean web page on something happening in Korea, read an English one, understand that these are both about the same thing, pull the, the important points from each one of them, and then condense that into one understanding of the world at large, and then actually produce. A, I mean, the goal is to be able to, to sort of answer it. So um, I, I think when we're seeing mum in action we're just seeing the, the capacity of pulling from multimodal like multiple from, sites comparing them against each different, other different sort of yeah functions and then just pull a, a ground truth out of it and going okay this is this is what this is and this is the actual answer as i understand it so we think of it in like a what is helpful if it can pull from everything and go the best of the best this korean website is talking about Seoul. It probably is authoritative and better than any English site. I mean, I, I don't know that to be true, but just for an example. Okay, but now we're seeing these important points, these key points on this English site, and Dave speaks English, but he happens to be visiting Seoul. Okay, now we can grade this content on something that maybe we couldn't have before, but now we can compare that in, in a better a better understanding. But, and, and again, with the, with the end goal, getting rid of the craptastic clickbaity content. Um, and I think everybody in their career remembers writing the end list. Uh, I, I, I worked for a travel site once that uh, was, was, was trying to get people interested in, in, uh, in learning how to teach English as a foreign language. And so you know, we, we did the obvious SEO thing. We wrote a page for every country in the world because they were pushing um, courses for every country in the world. And, you know, let's, let's face it, that content got a little bit ragged after a while because you're just writing so much of it, right? And, yeah, Google's going after that kind of stuff. Um, I, the question I think a lot of SEOs are going to be asking themselves is, you know, how do we prepare for this or how do we react to it if we um, suddenly uh, lose ranking? And, um, I don't know, better content maybe? novel concept <laughs> um, um now how but how like i guess going going back and, and actually like now i'm speaking more not as the manager but just as like somebody with years and years and years of experience how how do we do we decide 
I can't look at a piece and know whether it's helpful because I'm not everybody who's looking at it. So what, what do you think we see? Just opinion. This is like results may vary, but like just opinion. How do you know when you're like producing a piece of content? Is this helpful? So it, if you work for like a car platform, like I, I do, we have internal writers, more than 20 um, full-time internal journalists. And from the feedback we get from day to day, month to month, we know what is working, what readers like. So if you're engaged with a particular website, you get to know what is good. And you're not thinking of Google at all. All you're thinking of are um, more people engaging with the site, more customers coming and buying and selling cars on the site. And when that's going on, you know that you're doing the right thing. It just happens that we are the top ranking site in the country. So I'm in that happy position where um, I feel that we are putting out the right content without anyone needing to sit down and ask that question of themselves. Uh, maybe our editorial team does that uh, in their own meetings. But they do, they do adjust their approach when they feel that uh, people are talking more about a competitor because they approached a particular car review in a different way. They might learn from other people's successes or apparent successes based on um, the feedback they got through other channels such as social media. So Absolutely. sentiment analysis, for example, uh, the marketing team will pass on sentiment analysis and they might say that, well, this competitor is appearing to be doing better because of um, the language they used or they're using more positive terms. So um, I feel that's the way that an established company can judge their own quality. And I think it's neat that you're that you're finding signals outside of the Googleverse um, about how you know about how that content may be faring inside the Googleverse. Um, do you, in fact, get stronger signals um, from users and from uh, um, user review, user feedback, and uh, as you said, from from uh, 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 other other divisions in the corporation than you do from from Google's own tools? Yes, I think um, that um, I follow our company largely on LinkedIn and on Facebook. I don't um, open Instagram where we do have our presence, but simply looking at the count of comments that I see, I can see that um, certain reviews attract, say, 20, others attract 500. So you can see that kind of a variance. And when you see a big variance between two types of similar content, like car reviews, uh, I can sit back and say, well, did that get 500 reviews, sorry, engagements because it's a well-known brand or because it's new and it's electric or there's some special attribute to it? Or are they simply two similar cars, like you're comparing Kia with um, Hyundai perhaps which is the same company and then you can say that well they're almost the same 
kind of car at the same aimed at the same market. However, one's getting more and one's getting uh, fewer. Then if I was sitting in that editorial team, then yes, we could um, make that comparison. Okay, we, um, I have about a thousand more questions just based on that last answer you gave. And that's the problem with, uh, with, 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 with radio. Um, we've gone full clock. We are out of time. I, can't, I don't get time to ask the questions. So we have another show coming up in the studio behind us. But Ash, can I ask you to come back again in a couple of months? Because um, again, more questions to ask. And you have booked books two and three of the uh, Accidental SEO Manager series coming out. Um, but honestly, we are dead out of time. Can we get you to come back again sometime in the future? Oh, I'd love to. Thanks for the opportunity. And thanks for today. It's Jim and Dave, it's been great being here. Well, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 talking SEO with SEOs is always fun. But um, having somebody who's who's been around and is, you know, I dare say a, a legend in the industry is, um, is a treat. So, Ash, thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you. Friends, that was Ash Nalawala, the uh, author of The Accidental SEO Manager. Uh, this one is book one, Tapping Organic Leads for Profit, but there's book two and book three coming out. Get this for book for your manager. There's a link up at um, amazon.com. Uh, we're going to put a link up in uh, the WMR.FM write-up of the, uh, of the podcast. I'm sure it'll be out there in Podcastlandia, um, but check on Amazon. Go to the search feature, type in the accidental SEO manager, guarantee a, a reference for the book will come up, buy the book, send it to your manager, your life will get way easier. Okay, we're out of here. This was recorded live to podcast on the uh, 18th of, of August, 2022. Thank you so much to Ricky in the studios. Uh, stay safe, stay well, rank well, be kind to each other. We'll talk to you next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.